Hello everyone and welcome to the Circus Podcast. We have another special guest with us today who is an instructor in New Jersey. And without further ado, I'm going to let him introduce, your, introduce himself. So take it away, Nick. Thank you. Uh, my name is Nick, or Nico, I go by both. Vosinas. Um, I'm from Central Jersey. For any New Jersey people listening, we know Central Jersey does exist. Um, <laughs> uh, my family is from Laconia, Greece. Um, specifically the Horia Ayunikola Kokinaluria, which are part of the Barduno Horia, and then a Horio called Potamia outside of Sparti. Um, aside from being involved in Greek dance in New Jersey, I'm also a high school Spanish teacher. I teach juniors and seniors, so upper level Spanish courses. Um, I play volleyball a lot in various sand and indoor leagues, something okay. that I've been doing for several years um, since I started, I guess, playing with some of my friends in Goya. Um, I learned a lot about baking and cooking from my Yaya. I was, being the younger sibling, I was her helper in the kitchen, um, which is great because I definitely learned a lot. And then aside from all of that, I'm very involved in different aspects of the church and Greek life in New Jersey, I was a, a HEPA president for, I think, about three years um, at the Ryerton Chapter 288, which is um, the chapter at my home church of St. Demetrius Perth Amboy. Um, I've also been, well, for three years, I was a Greek school principal for St. Anna in Flemington. I currently teach Greek, the Goya Greek dance group there at St. Anna in Flemington, and also teach at St. George in Piscataway, and I've been involved in the Hellenic Dancers of New Jersey, um, which is a 501c3 dance group founded in 1972. I've been a part of that group for going on nine years, and I'm the group's current artistic director and historian. Awesome. So just a few things. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, all of my friends say that like they don't know how I have time for social life because I'm all over the place all the time. But it's right. fun. When you love what you're doing, it is social. Exactly. Exactly, and um, <laughs> we can do this interview in Spanish too because my um, undergraduate degree is in Spanish as well. Um, oh, perfect. Yeah. So there we go. So we're gonna switch it up. It's gonna be in. Solamente en español. <laughs> Just Perfecto. kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Adios. Bye. Right. Bye. See you later, Ev. <laughs> Catch you around. <laughs> so, Nick, it's so funny that you said Central Jersey because um, I was going to be like, Nick, from Northern New Jersey. And I feel like that probably would have offended you um, a lot. <laughs> so I'm glad I did not say that. <laughs> Take three. <laughs> right. Can you describe to us? <laughs> what this is totally not related to the podcast but i think this is important for people who are listening who may not be from this area um what encompasses like central new jersey like are we talking newark because in a previous episode we learned about southern new jersey and the delaware valley which i didn't know it was really mm -hmm. called that um obviously i know northern new jersey because being from new york like when you cross into new jersey <laughs> like you're in northern New Jersey, but that's all I know. Jersey, it's like debated about what counties typically fall under central Jersey. I live in Middlesex County, so that's for sure central Jersey. A lot of times it's disputed if like Ocean County, which is 
by the shore um, if they actually are a part of Central Jersey. Um, my best friend lives in Tom's River and in Ocean County, and we fight all the time about whether <laughs> she's part of Central Jersey or not. Um, but it's basically, yeah, I mean, um, like the whole center portion, like Middlesex, Monmouth, Mercer, Somerset, Hunterdon, there's like a little rectangle out of the center of New Jersey, um, kind of where like the Raritan Bay is. You see like New Jersey has like an indent. That whole area is central Jersey. Then there's people that very north and very south say that it doesn't exist. So Right. But <laughs> us that live here, we definitely advocate for its existence. <laughs> I feel like we get that because being from upstate New York, people are like, hey, you're based, you're Canada. No, we're not. <laughs> we're in the middle between New York City and Canada. Like you have to stop through us, you know, on your way. Anyway, <laughs> getting back to dance. <laughs> so topic at hand. Right. Sorry. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've established um, where you're from in Jersey, um, I know your roots uh, in in Greece, and I know um, I know you go back to Greece a lot. Um, I think most summers you're there. I'm curious, kind of, you know, was that how you grew up? Did you grow up heavily, um, kind of engulfed in Greek culture, both here in America and in Greece? And you know how that kind of impacted your childhood and your exposure to the Greek culture and developing that love for it. Yeah, this is definitely interesting, and it's my experiences are much different than some of my friends. Um, and as Maria probably knows, there's a lot of Carpathians from New Jersey that go back to Garbatho <laughs> every summer yeah. since they've been young. And even my best friend, when she was younger, she her family typically went to Greece almost like every other summer. Mm -hmm. um, that's not how my family was, um, specifically because my dad is a restaurant owner and he couldn't really leave. And my mom's busy season during her work, she worked in finance, is mm -hmm. during the summer. So we never were able to take like long extended vacations. Um, so the first time I went to Greece, I was 11. Um, I went with um, my parents, my brother, and my papu, my paternal papu. And then the following year, I went again with my maternal grandparents. Mm -hmm. um, and then as far as traveling to Greece, it was just those two experiences until I was in college. Wow. Um, so okay. it was really like the immersion that I had in Greek culture was from like my church community and then my home life. Um, my dad was born in Greece. My mom was born here. Um, and my grandparents, my paternal grandparents learned very little English. Mm -hmm. And especially in their older age, once my brother and I were born, they stopped using it. Um, because they weren't, my grandmother wasn't working anymore, and my grandfather was just working at my dad's restaurant, so he, like, it was very easy to communicate specifically in Greek. So that's where we really learned the language, and then being involved in in church and the programs in our community is where, like, I really developed a love for the culture. 
going to Greek school and and the typical things a Greek American kid did. Um, so I didn't start going to Greece every year until 2014. I did a study abroad program with Rutgers. Oh, awesome. Um, and it was a new program, so they were really looking for um, some. I I minored in modern Greek studies, so they were looking for some of this from the students that were minoring to go. So me and three of my friends decided, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom and brother took the opportunity to realize, well, why don't we come with you before your study abroad program starts? So it kind of extended the the stay in Greece. Mm-hmm. After the study abroad program, one of my cousins got married. So I stayed there in, in one in Basia. I stayed there for that. And then I went to stay with my friend in Kefalonia. And I was there for 90 days, that whole trip. And that's when I realized, <laughs> that's when I realized, you know what? Like, I should be going every year now that I can, now that I'm, I'm a college student and I was teaching dance and, and like I had money saved. Mm-hmm. So then that's what I decided to do. And every year since then, I've been staying in Carbajal with my with my friends um, and visiting where I'm from as well and going other places in Greece. But I usually have been staying in Carbajal every summer since 2015. I love that. <laughs> so that's awesome. Definitely like the connection to the to the like traveling back to Greece happened during my adult adulthood. Yeah. Because we just weren't like we weren't that connected. I mean, we my grand my grandparents would make sure that we called Greece all the time. Mm-hmm. So like usually on Sundays after church, we would get on the phone and call, call all of our relatives in Greece. So even though I may ha- only have met had met them in person once, mm-hmm. I like or twice, I was like I make sure before mm-hmm. doing whatever I do over the summer. Um, that we first meet and whoever I travel with, we usually stop in Mani somewhere in Laconia to see my family and and check in with them too. Yeah, I love that. It's so special. And I feel like um, when you said calling to Greece, that like brings back memories of back in the day when, you know, I don't know if this, because I am considerably older than you, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like you would call and you would get the operator and it just would take forever to connect through or you'd have a bad connection um, and like, those are just memories that you can like never forget. It like flings me right back to that. Um, so tell us about how you took your first steps in Greek dance. Um, like was it through church? What did, how did you get involved in Greek dance? Um, and, and sort of where? Um, so I started at my home church of St. Demetrius in Perth Amboy. Um, they had a, a youth group that started around like age six or seven and that's when I started my brother was already in the group um and then I continued with that group until I was 12 and I joined Goya and I danced with Goya until I was out of high school and then right when I finished high school my senior year is when I was invited to join the Hellenic Dancers of New Jersey Mm -hmm. um and I think what really kind of jump-started my interest in more than just being a dancer was at my sophomore year of high school my friend and I uh who we grew up together at church she's a year older than me um were approached by our old Greek dance teacher Mm -hmm. um 
about restarting and teaching the junior youth dance group. And at the time, I think I was like 15. She was 16, 17. It was somewhere, wow. something around, something like that. And we really didn't have any experience teaching, but she convinced us. She's like, you don't need to do anything spectacular. <laughs> Those kids, when they put on dance costumes, no matter what they're doing, their parents and everyone else fall in love. Yes. It's like, just try it out. So we did, and we taught it for, I would say, maybe four years together. Um, and like, while while we were still in the Goya dance group as dancers, um, and I think that's what really jump-started my interest in being more than just a dancer. Um, and then I think that carried over once I graduated high school with being involved as an assistant teacher in the Goya groups that I now teach, um, now that I'm the head teacher of. How do you balance teaching all those different groups? Um, it's interesting. I, I never thought that I would teach more than one group. Mm-hmm. I always thought like, I'm just going to do one group and that's it. Um, but once I started teaching, once I started teaching my home church of Perth Amboy, I was just an assistant. And then I became an assistant at, at St. Anna in Flemington where my old dance teacher, the one that got me to join the, to teach the youth group, she needed an assistant and then handed the group off to me. So that was her, I guess her, uh, MO to get me mm-hmm. more involved. Sneaky, um, sneaky. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, then when Piscataway needed a dance teacher, it was one of my friends was the co-teacher and she asked me to teach with her and it, and it kind of all just works because there's so many like different personalities different types of dancers like the dances and and what i do and how i am with one group is completely different with how like than how i am with another group mm-hmm. i also think that's kind of like my my high school teaching hat like mm. i i'm very different not very different but i can be different depending on my levels of courses that i teach so I feel like I'm able to separate what I'm doing and how I act with all my different groups um, based on the dancers, based on the kids. Um, and then the Hellenic Dancers of New Jersey is a completely different experience um, just because we don't or we haven't in years, we haven't competed. Meanwhile, the Goya groups, our main focus are, is like competitions. Mm-hmm. Um we focus mainly on like culture performances and benefits and things like that. So that's kind of easy to, to separate. Um, I would say that during when I first started teaching, I kind of felt like teaching two Goya groups that were competing against each other at competitions. I kind I kind of felt bad. Like, Oh my goodness. What if one group wins and one group doesn't win? Like I felt bad. And I think, I really think that my students did not care that I was like projecting my emotions onto them. And they were like, it's more two completely different groups. I mean, one group that I teach, I usually have around like 10 dancers Mm -hmm. competing at sights and sounds, our competition in New Jersey. And then 
the other dance group in Piscataway, we have over 30 dance dance members. So, like, you can't compare. Right. One is a very old community in New Jersey. One's a very new community. You can't compare. Um, and the students really understood that, but I think I didn't. And I, I was nervous on their behalf. Yeah, absolutely. So I always I find it interesting, like, <clears throat> when people transition between different roles, like you know, as the dancer, as the teacher. Um, but in, in your case, I'm curious, um, when you teach different levels of dancers, when you teach um, more advanced dancers versus, you know, younger, more novice dancers, um, do you, I mean, do you feel a different kind of, like, I don't know, like, I wouldn't say, like, what what's your favorite age range to teach, but I feel like people... I know when I teach, um, when I teach like beginner dancers, it's not that, you know, I like it more or less. It's just, there's this energy that I get out of that, that, um, motivates me in a different way versus when I'm teaching an older, more advanced group. Um, I feel more, I, there's a different kind of connection where I feel like I'm more, dancing as an equal with them i think it's easiest for me to teach like goya age high schoolers because that's what i do during my day job so it's easy for me to manage them because i know how to wrangle them in and how to get them to pay attention and things like that (laughs) Um, that's the hardest part (laughs) times yeah it is (laughs) a lot of times i definitely since i also am the director of the hellenic dancer of new jersey um and there are some Goya dancers that have been invited to be in that group as well. And those are like the, usually the very skilled advanced dancers. Um, I kind of find myself being very hard sometimes on my teenagers, like on my Goya group, because I'm so used to the intensity of, of adults and, or, or, very advanced teenagers that like I get very frustrated when when like they're not getting something or or it's just not clicking for them or they're struggling I get extremely frustrated mm-hmm. um but I think that's just because I I view them in a different light than as I viewed when I taught my juniors my the, the little ones it was a different experience um like you see in them more than what they see in themselves and you're like definitely you can do it just give me that effort (laughs) definitely um and i think like i I think i project that onto them yeah that i know that i know that whatever they're struggling with that they can that they can master that they Mm -hmm. can master that but a lot of the times like i I'm expecting something to happen more quickly or whatever, just because I'm so used to now teaching very advanced dancers that have been dancing for decades. Yeah. So what, what's the youngest age group that you you do teach? Currently I teach the youngest would be the seventh graders in Goya. Okay. So 12 year olds okay. all the way up to. That's an interesting age. Yeah, it, it, it's and a very interesting it's, age. It's weird because, in one sense, like 
that age group, like 12, 13, 14, I think they have incredible talent. It's it's more so about wrangling their body posture and all that in. <laughs> Definitely. They have the they have the drive and motivation. They have the excitement to do it. Um, sometimes even more so than like the 16, 17 year old kids. They like mm-hmm. they genuinely want to do it, but you're fighting more so with posture and um, you know just the cleanliness of their their moves and you know all that stuff. But there's a different vibe. And then like I'm seeing it right now with our kids, uh, like the 16. 17 year olds i'm struggling more so to get them engaged than the younger kids but they have mm-hmm. more control of their body so it's like this whole it's this it's this give and take with that but it's funny because like i look at it when i think about myself like if i'm teaching a five-year-old i feel like i'm a better teacher for like a five six-year-old because i'm not setting that what you were saying nick about like setting that expectation on them. It's like, I know you can do this. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. But when I'm teaching like a five, six, seven year old, I'm like, oh, you're cute. Let's like, let's have fun with this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it's more so about having fun than it is about you know, driving the steps home and, you know, get it perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I, that, that idea of driving things home and getting it perfect, like a, a lot of it is rooted in, in, competition and things like that which i know my my older dancers are like that's what motivates them mm-hmm. a lot of the times like like would they come to practice more often when they know that we're closer to a competition or things mm-hmm. like that I, it, so there's an outcome know to work what, for it's, you know exactly what drives you are you um do you enjoy the competitive spirit or are you do you get more out of dancing for the pure celebration of it and just that kind of community vibe i don't know i think when i was in in high school when i was in goya definitely i cared more about the competition aspect Mm -hmm. yeah um as i got older and then once i started being in hellenics and we don't compete or we haven't competed in decades Mm -hmm. um once I started with with that group and just performing for private events, weddings, baptisms, cultural events, and and hosting workshops and things like that, I realized that competition wasn't that great at all. And then once I started becoming a, once I started teaching and and choreographing and things and researching for all these competitions, I definitely do not like competitions anymore. <laughs> it completely one eighty. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. I love dance for the, just the sake of having fun and dancing and I I can tell which one of my like which one of my dancers also has that mentality mm-hmm. and then which ones just want to get first place. Yeah. I do have to say though from a teacher point of view like when I'm at the competition watching I do appreciate like that does kind of get me excited like watching the competition. Yeah. Um but, yeah, like actually competing, I not for me anymore. Nick, can you tell us a little bit about sights and sounds? Because this is the second time it's been mentioned, and <laughs> I feel like it's very much a um, mid-Atlantic thing. Like it's not something that we grew up with in New York, um, at least not in upstate New York. 
and I would probably say not Western New York either. Um, I think I feel like it's like a New Jersey, Delaware, maybe Maryland, Philadelphia type of thing. So can you tell us so people can learn a little bit about it? Sure. So Sights and Sounds, there are actually two Sights and Sounds that happen annually. One is in the Delaware Valley area, um, and that and that rotates where it's hosted. Um, sometimes it's hosted. I've gone once with one of my dance groups um, to compete, and I think it was in Media, Pennsylvania, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one changes what church hosts it. The mm-hmm. one that my the one that I competed as a dancer and that my groups compete in is in Westfield, New Jersey. Um, there are about I would say 18, 16 to 18 parishes that compete annually. Um, and it's called Sights and Sounds because the sights aspect is that it's there's like a handicraft um, aspect to the competition. Um, art, like any sort of art, handicraft, photography, essay writing, poetry writing, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's a long list of categories that you submit before the date of the of the competition and it's judged and you basically accrue points for your church then the day of the competition is the sounds part and um there's obviously greek folk dance but that's not the only thing there's english and greek play there's Mm -hmm. singing groups and band and um a whole instrument groups and there's a whole host of of different sounds that happen that day um but definitely one of the main sounds is greek dance um and it's 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 much different than like an fdf let's say um Uh because there are specific requirements um it has to be there's only one performance the performance is 10 minutes um you have to include either you have to include either a sirto or a calamatiano, no matter from what region. It has to be either one, and then you also have to include a jasaposervico or a tamico, and those two dances have to be in the first two minutes of the routine. Mm-hmm. Then the rest of the routine you can do whatever you want, um, but those have to be in the first two minutes, and every all of the dancers have to partake in those two dances so you can't do a a a sirto that's specifically for women or men everyone has to participate um so these rules and 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 things make it like a little difficult when you think about region suites and things like that Mm -hmm. um but it's definitely a very um stressful competition because the typically the churches in new jersey at least in north and central and like the beginning of south jersey Mm -hmm. um the majority historically haven't competed in fdf Mm -hmm. much at all like our competition is sights and sounds um so it's kind of the i mean when i was a um a goyan we oh i only ever competed in sights and sounds Mm -hmm. and as a dance teacher I've only had 
a group compete once at FDF, and then one group compete once at um, the Delaware Valley Sights and Sounds. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, every year we've always competed at Westfield's uh, Holy Trinity Sights and Sounds. Um, That's intense. So it's 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 an intense day. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been to that one. When you were talking about um, like the requirements, I feel like. I must have gone to the Delaware Valley one because I don't remember like the Sirto and Samigo requirement in that one. But mm -hmm. again, it, this was a bit ago. So, um, so going from Sights and Sounds to where you dance for yourself um, with the Hellenic Dancers of New Jersey, can you talk to us a little bit about them, about their origin? Because they've been around for quite some time. Um, and especially like your role as, you know, I think you said you were creative director. Um, I may have gotten that wrong. So sorry about that. But um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. Um, okay. So the Hellenic Dancers of New Jersey, uh, we've been um, around for almost 50 years. Next year will be our 50th anniversary. Um, we were founded in 1972 by Presbytera Eleni Ch uh, Chakalos and her husband, Father Jim. Um, she basically started teaching dance, um, in New Jersey before there were any organized groups in, like, in church bases, in, like, the communities. Mm -hmm. Um, she also taught, like, I know the, um, she taught at the Carpathian House mm -hmm. in, um, in Elizabeth, uh, when they first started their balletto. Um, and she's taught all over, or she she had taught all over New Jersey. And she came up with this as a way for adults to be able to continue dancing. And she would go to uh, New York and and Greece and, and travel all around to any sort of like silogo that was having an event. She would go to Astoria and, and try to find authentic music. She would record music herself when she went to Greece and, and attended as many workshops and as things and things as possible. Mm -hmm. We currently have about like six, I would say somewhere around 600 costumes in our wow. repertoire, all that are handmade by her. Wow. Um, so it's been a, I joined in 2012, so they've, been they were around much longer before i joined um and um i i how it works is you join the dance group as a beginner um you do a certain amount of performances you make like you are committed and attended practices and then you get your official letter of being a hellenic dancer of new jersey so i became a beginner in 2012 and then in 2013 i got my official letter as a dancer then I think in 2015, I became the historian of the group um, because I liked to research dances and um, and like help um, help present dance dances to the group. Um, and then I think maybe in 28, no, 2017, I became an assistant instructor. Um, and then in 2019, I became the artistic director when the previous artistic director um, 
stepped down. He was a director for seven years, and he'd been in the group for much longer than that. Um, and he stepped down to start a family. Wow. So, and it's been a strange time because I started as the artistic director. We were preparing. We have an annual performance, our benefit, that we call Taverna Night. We are preparing for Taverna Night, figuring out what dances we were highlighting, what regions, what costumes, and then it was supposed to be in April of last year, and obviously that didn't happen. Um, yeah. So we've been at a strange time here, uh, <laughs> but we're now talking about planning for what's going to happen for the 50th anniversary of the night next year, which will definitely be one that's going to take a, a it's going to have a lot of things going on for sure um but should be great so i want to i want to talk about um the regions of dance that you focus on the regions of dance that you um love doing um i'm a, i if you could talk about regions that you guys focus on i, I mean do you do all regions of dance or do you have areas that you highlight more than others. Um, I'm curious what your kind of repertoire is uh, um, and how you approach that with your various dance groups. Um, with the Hellenic Dancers of New Jersey, we pretty much do dances from everywhere. Um, we don't really stick to one specific region. Um, a lot of the times the dances that we do are dances that are brought in, um, correspond with what like where our instructors are from. Um, okay. So I know that for um, like, what, about, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, one of our, maybe more, uh, one of our um, directors was Cretan. Mm. So like all of our dances that we currently do using his choreography that, that he contributed to the group, um, have been done for a long time, um, for many years, because he brought those dances in and he choreographed them authentically and, and you know, with, with authentic figures and things like that. A lot of times, um, going back decades, I know that Hellenics used to have a large group of Carpathians and they, just the Carpathians during performances would dance like a Panojoro or a Susta, um, because they were like, that was their thing. Um, but aside from that, the rest of the dances that like we do pretty much from from every region. So and the same thing I would say in, in, in my Gore groups as well. So the Carpathians would just dance alone? They wouldn't like enculturate non Carpathians into well, their dancing? No, they, well when it was time for like they would like the Carpathians would take over. They would obviously dance everything else, but like, nope, it was, <gasps> that was, that was, wow, wow, I mean, we're, we're talking about, I mean, probably, I mean, the videos that I've seen of that are probably 40 years old. Um, wow. Like, and it was those, it were those, those, um, dancers that, that Presbytera Eleni Chakalos that she taught at the Carpathicos Piti. Okay. So it was um, like their little, like performance interlude or yeah whatever. it was like there's yeah they're so low you know they're time to shine <laughs> interesting i don't know how i feel about that but maria's a little shook with this one <laughs> i am i am well part of the reason why i'm so shook with this is because 
Nick, you are not Carpathian, but you are so Carpathian. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like let's be honest. Like, I feel like, you know, last summer we were both in Carpathos together and I'm like, Nick is out down in Pigathia like way more than me. Like I'm sitting at home, like on my, you know, hanging out with my parents, like having a drink at home. And I'm like, dang, look at Nick going all around. I'm like, eh. <laughs> Nick probably drives in Carpathos. I don't love driving in Carpathos. I've never done it. So like I probably oh, should. I- I definitely drive in Carpathos. Yeah, okay. We're going to have some driving lessons. <laughs> it's been a while. I, last time I drove standard was when I lived in Spain, so um, I should probably practice before I drive on, like, Carpathian roads with no guardrails and all that good stuff. But True. speaking of <laughs> Carpathos, I want to know, um, like, you have such a rich teaching history, and I think sometimes when we give so much to others, um, whether it's in, you know, the Hellenic dancers group or the groups that you teach the church groups we forget about like sometimes what drives us so i want to know what are your like what's your favorite region um do you have a least favorite region what really like gets your goat when you're dancing like what you know music comes on you're like yes this is me anything um well i feel like favorite dance for me or favorite region is hard um I'm like in general, I'm not good with with like the word favorite. Like I I'm a bad person to ask that question, but I will say that my favorite type of dance is probably like partner or couples dances. Like I really like the the dynamic of dancing with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, probably some of my favorite dances are like I love Konyali. I also like dancing with spoons is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> balos or or like sirtos or balos from yeah, I love like any, all like Nidisiotica too. Mm-hmm. Um, and those dances are like, I like the connection when you're dancing with a partner. So I think yeah. that's like my favorite, not necessarily favorite dance, but favorite type of dance. Uh-huh. Um, favorite region, I have done a lot of like uh, research and talked to people and have attended workshops. Um, specifically about dances from Cappadocia in Asia Minor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, I am very interested in those regions, and I've and I've been a proponent for teaching dances of those regions because a lot of people don't realize, um, like, the how expansive Hellenic populations are. Like, it's not just in the borders of mainland Greece, mm-hmm. and that there are greek-speaking populations or uh populations of hellenic descent in modern day turkey or or in southern italy and things like that Mm -hmm. um and i think that when i studied abroad in greece in 2014 i also interned at the jewish museum of thessaloniki oh cool and i like before interning there i didn't know much about the like the Jewish population that lived mm-hmm. in Greece, especially in, in Northern Greece. And that kind of sparked my interest in like what other populations like aren't usually highlighted. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like populations that like are, were currently, um, or like were Greek speaking populations in current mainland Turkey, mm-hmm. um, I think are, forgotten a lot of the times when we discuss like greek dance and and greek folk traditions and things like that so that's like a a region that 
I like to present and teach since it opens like up more conversations and a different perspective on like what it means to be Greek. You jumped you jumped right into my question of is there is your favorite dances to dance versus teach differ? And I think it's very interesting and I think Cappadocia is definitely a region that is very um, underrepresented when we talk about dance. And I mean, I did a conference in uh, Montreal with Belgrafia, I think in early 2000s. And one of the instructors was Cappadocia. And I was just blown away with how rich the stories were with every dance. It, it wasn't, I felt like I got so much more context out of that session than I have ever got out of any other region. Just because mm-hmm. every dance we did had this like robust and just very dynamic story to it that mm-hmm. was for sure you know so it's I, I think it's it's definitely I can very much appreciate um, your words on Cappadocia and why it is so important that we do keep that alive and honor those traditions too and I also I think it's about like breaking some sort of like stereotypes or or understandings that people have i mean a lot of times we've as as hellenics or even as um in my goya groups that we've performed dances from Cappadocia in like that the songs are not in greek mm-hmm. or, or a, a greek dialect of turkish whatever it is and like people have co- gone up to me and say like mm-hmm. like yeah. with this with this biased and with this just like rush to judgment mm-hmm. what are you doing that's not greek dance that's not greek culture what are you teaching what are you dancing um and like i think just people don't don't know mm-hmm. um and that's why like educating through dance is great too that's what i mean dance that, that's the purpose of dance because i mean when you mm-hmm. think about dance and all these things back in you know ancient times when not very few people actually knew how to read and all these things you learned all these stories you learned about the traditions and the culture through performing you know the 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 act of dancing and through the the songs and the songs Mm -hmm. themselves told the stories and told so when you without song and dance i mean that's that's essentially your living history that's that's how traditions and the stories were passed down um so it's it's tremendous, yeah. I also think too, um, like we have an obligation as instructors or people who support dance programs to have like a zest and a zeal for curiosity and, and for learning. And it's not easy. And that's one of the reasons why Evan and I started this podcast because this is a way also for us to to transpose that information to people who may not have the resources that we all had growing up. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you are, you live in a very densely populated Greek community. Definitely. So, you know, you can see other churches do stuff or you can talk to other teachers or, you know, you can bring in somebody's theo or whatever to teach you something. Right. Um, and there are people who live in very sparse Greek communities, or maybe it's, um, you know, a Greek Orthodox church setting, but it's more like OCA and, you know, maybe it's, a mix of people who are Greek, non-Greek, so on and so forth. Um, So I think just even us talking about, you know, regions that spark our 
desire to learn more is is very important um, because I, I hope that people see this as like a vehicle for um, researching more, for reaching out to people that could be a, a resource. You know, I'm thinking, um, I remember like a speaking to somebody from a church in West Virginia and she's like, we're a tiny community, like there's not a whole lot of us, um, you know, so on and so forth. And she was so stressed about being as authentic as possible. And she was as authentic as she could have been at that moment in time, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But we really connected because of, you know, personal family history. Like my papu went to Wheeling, West Virginia when he first came to America. Like wh- how many Carpathians oh, wow. went to Wheeling, West Virginia? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but he did. He got lost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, um, thankfully he, you know, there's a, there's a long story for a different day about why he left Wheeling um, and how he was sort of forced out. But you know, her and I kind of connected on that level and talked about like, you know, how we, how I research dances or or how I deem something that I might see online or I might see another group do as like, oh, this is authentic or, you know, maybe this is kind of like people took a little creative like liberty here. Um, So I appreciate you talking about what really drives you and, and what regions, because I just think there cultures traveled and cultures merged and cultures were forced out of places. And, you know, thinking about Cappadocia, like that's a stronghold for a very specific, a very unique Greek culture that also had other um, influences. You know, the, even their, their costumes, they're very different than any other costumes that you're going to see across mm-hmm. Greece. Rightfully so, right? If they showed up in like, you know, something from like central Greece, you'd be like, what the heck are they wearing? You know, it's, it's just not, mm-hmm. it doesn't fit. The narrative it doesn't fit the history is there a region of dancing or um a style of dancing that you struggle with most i absolutely love cretan dancing but is the region of dance that gives me the most anxiety because i just feel like you have to be so good and you have to be so authentic and I, that pressure always gets to me well Funny that you mentioned Korean because that is my answer. And yeah. the the reason the reason behind it is that in New Jersey, especially like the, my part of New Jersey, Central Jersey, I mean, Kritika is a is very popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, in less than ten minutes away from my house, it's there's a Kritiko Spiti, and that's where the Silogo is. Um, the Silogo usually throws like two. Um, every year at the church that I teach mm-hmm. at St. George Piscataway. So there's a, such a heavy presence of, of Cretan dancers. Like anytime I want to do some sort of critica, there's usually, there's some sort of event going on at the critical speedy every couple, yeah. like every other month. Like <laughs> if I want an opportunity to go, to go dance Cretan, perfect. I'll find it. Not so easy if we're talking about Ipirotica, for example. Um, but because of that, I really have never felt the need to become a Cretan expert. Like, I'm okay. Yeah. I get by. I enjoy it. But my the previous artistic director of Hellenics, his name's Spiro, he phenomenal Cretan dancer. One of my... Um, uh, assistants uh michali chrisafini from volada maria um <laughs> he he's a phenomenal Korean dancer the the female assistants that i have also uh 
are great Korean dancers. So it's not my it's not my forte, and I don't. Perhaps if I worked on it, and if I if I really wanted it to be, but I'm surrounded by so many people that are experts in the region that I would rather focus on something else and bring something else to the table because I know that they have Korean. Like they they if I need help or if I need something choreographed or research or whatever, <laughs> if I need music, I don't need to do it because there's so many resources in this area for really high quality um, resources with with Korean dances and traditions. I love that using your resources that's important for sure um nick i it's so funny because i use the word what is like the phrase what is your favorite so much so i'm like sitting here trying to think about how i can rephrase our next set of questions <laughs> um but i want to know about traditions um so i want to know what traditions you most enjoy um whether you know it's greek dance life traditions or, or things you know that are somewhat related to Greek dance life that you have adopted um, kind of recently and um, how you stumbled upon those tra traditions um, and how you keep them alive. This is, this is an interesting question because a lot of times um, when I have conversations about traditions and dances, a lot of times it falls back on like where you're from in Greece. Like mm -hmm. what is your favorite tradition in or dance from where, like where you're from and from your Horyo and I come from um, Mani, like the portion of Mani that's in Laconia, and if like you know anything about Mani, we have very a very small Greek dance repertoire. Mm -hmm. um, Sirto, Kalamatiano, Tamiko, some very other like isolated choriada that may have a dance or two. Uh, my Horyo specifically, um, the tradition I would say involving song, song or dance. This this example would be song. That's most prevalent are Miroloya. Mm. I do not participate in Miroloya, mm -hmm. um, but I have been to my Horyo and I've seen like the Miroloyistrias um, in action. Mm -hmm. um and it's a very intense tradition yeah i've heard all about like the mirologistres from my guia my papu about like you know there used to be famous or you know renowned ones that would go that you would pay to say the mirologia at a kivia or whatever and they would travel between villages and it's a very, very interesting concept um so i've i've done a lot of reading and heard a lot from family members about that tradition mm -hmm. where I'm from. Um, very interesting. Um, and it's like a kind of like, like how Cretans and Carpathians have mm -hmm. mandinades that um, like you're able to record so much information, history and things mm -hmm. like that in Mirologia, in mandinades. Um, so that's, something that I've written them before but like it's it's a tradition that is very prevalent in my um uh, in my hoyo and okay. there's like a there's a specific like different there's different melodies that you can like say them mm -hmm. um but yeah specifically specifically women that's so um, interesting uh my in in palyamani there the word for that they used to use for wedding was called chara, specifically because my papa used to say that you never 
did any like traditionally you never did any like any dances or you didn't sing any time throughout the year except for weddings which is why like mm-hmm. people called it hara itanai hara and that's why you sung like that's why you would sing and dance there and only there um i do know some more like i would say more modern songs and things about and from my hodio some a dance or two that it's um debated if it actually like was a created like a dance that someone just created to say like here's the song let's do a dance to the song so money has its own dance or if it was an actual like <laughs> tradition um but definitely i i've learned a lot of traditions and about my region of greece through my yama papu through like practices through food especially but my my yam my papu were from and my dad from a mountainous village and um my grandparents were farmers and it interesting like the the traditions that they had um regarding agriculture and and mm-hmm. the things that they used to do um that my grandfather decades later had his garden here and would still keep up those same traditions um so that for sure is interesting um when i go to greece I'll, being being a language teacher i have a passion for linguistics and when i go to greece especially to Karpatho that has mm-hmm. such a, a a diverse and such a prominent dialect and also a so many variations depending on the hodio um and versus like olimbo versus the katohodia as well mm-hmm. um i definitely like pay attention linguistically to like the different um the dialects and things like that and one one day in the future <laughs> i would like to go i would like to go back to um school and 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 get a degree in linguistics and do some re- some field work mm-hmm. um but that's many years in the future <laughs> for now we'll see but and i think and i think because my because my family didn't have these like intense and even when i visited mahoryon to this day like we don't have these intense traditions revolving around song and dance i think that's why i'm interested mm-hmm. in going to panigiria and going to things and seeing like okay like what can i pick up on what can i see what can i learn what practices because we like i our hodia don't have that mm-hmm. um when it comes to song and dance so that's i think that's what i am so much more interested because it's so different than what what i'm used to so i love that that's a really interesting tradition that um nobody has brought up yet and i think um Stay tuned for season two, because I think we'll have somebody that you'll be really interested in um, listening to his podcast. Oh, nice. Um, so, Nick, kind of a final question. Um, how can people learn more about um, the Hellenic Dancers of New Jersey? And, um, you know, do you guys have a website? How can they find you guys? Because I know you're coming up next year on your 50th year. So we would love to help um, share how people can learn more about your group. Definitely. Um so we're all over social media. We have um, 
we have Facebook, Instagram that are that we check often and are active. So I think it's HDNJ1972, I'm pretty sure, um, is our Instagram. And our Facebook is Hellenic Dancers of New Jersey. We also have a website, HellenicDancersOfNewJersey.org. Um, and it comes up easily if you search it on Google, if you search our name, it should be the first thing to pop up. Um, and usually, um, I'm one of the people that check our social media. Um, so I will be able to get any messages, but also we have on our, on our website, we have like a contact form that goes to our, um, the president of our organization and, and, um, she will responds to those. It's, it's a form that we use for any sort of communication, um, about joining the group or uh, booking performances or just general inquiries or questions. Um, we're based in Holmdel, New Jersey, mm-hmm. which is south part of central Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and um, I mean, if there's any New Jersey listeners, we would for sure love to have more dancers, the more the merrier. Um, whenever we start, we still haven't started practices up again. Um, whenever we start practices up, uh, hopefully sooner than later. Right. I know that's what we're all hoping for. Nick, thank you so much for uh, being here with us. I cannot wait to see you again, hopefully in Carpathos. Um, you know, hopefully. We're, just, <laughs> we're basically Soon. neighbors. We've got a Petty and Volada represented here, but there's no, mm-hmm. no, you know, competition here. We're, like, <laughs> we're the, the Switzerland of a Betty and Volata. There's no no soccer Perfect. competition here, nothing. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, I really appreciate it. I know you know you um, stepped up during quarantine and taught a um, virtual Zoom uh, like YouTube dance lesson for us. Um, and you're always kind of behind our crazy ideas. So thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Um, if you all liked this podcast, make sure that you subscribe and give us a rating. Um, and we will be back next week with more Sir Thoughts.